Hey everyone, welcome to Zeitgeist Zealots. I'm Forrest. And I'm Matt. So today I think we're going to break down Andor. Um, you know, this is a pretty good episode. Um, I think Matt liked it a lot. This is basically the highest episode. Yep, it, it is. It's the uh, kind of Guy Ritchie uh, episode. Love it. Uh, the Everything about it was awesome. So... Yeah, it seemed um, this was definitely, um, you know, after two episodes of build-up, they definitely, like, uh, followed through on the promise of the heist actually happening. Like, I think during the uh, the fourth episode, I thought, is the heist going to happen, happen in this episode? And it didn't happen. The fifth episode, I was like, is the heist going to happen in this episode? I was like, no. So it was actually the sixth episode, the heist actually happens. And um, I don't know. I was under the impression that they would pull off the heist without any witnesses, but it seemed they really needed to have witnesses for this heist to go through you know um yeah. i i guess i guess the idea was that they needed the uh the head imperial dude to get the um to get into the vault so um and they didn't seem to mind that they had to take his children i mean his his son and his wife hostage so and I, and I will say you know kind of the frustration with the last two episodes is the build-up to this heist but i really think they played off really well here and um, like the end of the episode is kind of the whole point of like why they wanted to have witnesses because they're trying to get the rebellion started. Oh. And I just think it's it's really well written. And like I said, the last part of the episode, you have some guy sitting there going like, well, do you have all Donnie stuff? Because I heard about this thing and um, I really love it because I feel this one show has done more world building yes. in Star Wars than a lot of the movies and a lot of, except for maybe Mandalorian, a lot of these other shows. So it's it's just been awesome to watch. Well, I think most people would agree that this show is definitely superior to Kenobi and Boba Fett by far. Oh yeah, you know, and well, I will definitely you know agree with that. With that, Boba um, Fett is really just Mandalorian Part Two. Basically, yeah, and like the best episodes of that 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 show were the Mandalorian episodes. Exactly. Sadly, so I mean, like even like the star of the Mandalorian, I mean, of Boba Fett, Tamar Morrison has said like, I would have done some things differently <laughs> for the Boba Fett show. So like, when the star isn't happy with the final product, then like you know you can tell that there was. Um, you know, it wasn't great. So, but yeah, I really enjoyed um, uh, the Brian Cranston Sherpa. Mm-hmm. The chief didn't look just like Brian yep. Cranston, so that sort of threw me off. Um, but yeah, I thought it was interesting. Like, you know, we need to like make this um, the society or this native, uh, this the natives of this planet look like you know natives. So we make let's dress them up as Sherpas from Nepal. Yeah, you know, but it's, but it's a bunch of white people. So, it really, really like you know stretches the uh, believability, even for Star Wars. But I understand they needed like some natives for this planet. So, and you know uh, what I really love about it too is how um, they really show you the arrogance of the Empire mm-hmm. and how really they are just a paper tiger. Um, they they think they can destroy this whole culture and and the. Uh, uh, act of destroying this culture is when they have such a big you know hit against them um 
So I'm really interested to see how they respond in the next episode when it comes to the indigenous people of Aldani. Like, mm-hmm. are they gonna like reprise against them? Are they just gonna be like, whatever? It was only 80 million credits, you know. So I'm really curious how it's gonna work work out. But that's the thing, like. Who cares about the indigenous people of Aldani um, in reality? But the show has made me care about the indigenous people of Aldani. Yeah. Like, who else will be able to escort people up to the, t- the highest mountain on the planet but the Aldani? They're all dressed like Sherpas. So, yeah. <laughs> it just made me think of like the Mount Everest Sherpas. So, but, uh, you know, I thought it was uh, a very well executed episode uh, from it, what it, I saw. And people keep telling me it was not CGI, so I don't know what practical effects they used. But when they're in, when when, when the eye finally opens up, the colors they use and the animation that they use and the practical effects that they use is, it's amazing. It's, it's movie quality that we're seeing in a show like this. And I'm just really impressed with the effects that they've been using for this show. So. And and the eye is when the meteor shower happens yep. afterwards. No, the eye is the actual meteor, meteor shower. Okay, yes, I but saw like, that part. That was actually impressive. The, the colors and how they're traveling through it and how like some of the meteors take out some TIE fighters and, and it's just really great quality and for, for, I think this is going to be like 20 episodes. I think 12. Uh, and you know, but still, like, to yep. like have that quality on a show like this is, is phenomenal. And it's not what we got with Kenobi. It's not what we got True. with Mandalorian. You know, they're really, you know, it, it's really impressive. Yeah, so much uh, better writing, at least in, in regards to Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, you know, the, Man- the Mandalorian's definitely like one of those. Um, what would you call them? Uh, serials from like the 30s and 40s. Yeah, where it's just, like it, a very. It's a very short episode of like part of a longer saga. You know, but it's it's definitely uh, you know those are quality serials. But this is definitely way better than Kenobi. But yeah, as you were saying. Uh, uh, what I love about this show is that. I, I said it earlier, the world building. Mm-hmm. This show has done more to show you how expansive this this world is, how Star Wars is. They've done more uh, uh, to show you the Empire and the Rebellion and the people who are caught in between. In just a few episodes, we're on episode five now, and we can see how big of a universe this is. Yeah. And, and that just goes to show you how great the writing is. And this goes back to, I think I was saying a few episodes ago about how when we get away from main characters in the Star Wars universe, how much more we can do with the Star Wars universe. So Kenobi was great, but because we already know what his fate is, and to a lesser extent, we know what Cassian, you know, what his fate is. But, like, we can do so much more into his buildup because he's not, like, a main, main character. You know, he's not part of the rebellion uh, 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 you know who sets Luke on his like way he is kind of this throwaway character in one of the movies that most people hate but I love well um, 
I would say Rogue One is the best of the Disney era of Star Wars movies. Oh, definitely. And I think everyone agrees that, but the bar is so low because of the sequel trilogy and Solo that you know, so like, saying saying Rogue One is the best is not really much of a compliment. Although, I like, I mean, I I was like, I remember like parts while I was watching Rogue One, I was like, I was like extremely bored. Like, I just did not care. Like, just, like you know, just get to like Darth Vader, you know. But um, you know, even I'll agree. Like, you know. Cassian, like uh, in, in the movie Rogue One, when Cassian kills his uh, friend because he's like injured and he's gonna slow them down, mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, interesting, Star Wars. That's an interesting approach to take." You know, that's uh, well, this harkens back to the whole Han shot first. How we're yeah. trying to make these, uh, you know, guys show you it's not black and white. Yeah, and the fact that every single time uh, that Cassian has killed somebody, he shot first. He literally just shoots them and it harkens back to how george lucas has modified a new hope so many times where it's like <laughs> han shoots at the same time no han shoots first you know and and like he shoot he moves his head like i think it's a, a really great nod to that and i love it well it's like you know han shooting first Han shooting at the same time and Han shooting afterward, it's still all self-defense, right? Because you know Greedo's going to try to kill him. You know, and it, you know, I think like him shooting first really just shows like this guy's going to try to take me out. So I need to, you know, take him out first. But I really like that, like Andor, there's no like delusions that, yep. you know, he's the one who he has to kill when he has to. Otherwise, it's, it's, either, it's either him or the other guy. So, yep. you know. But, and, and this episode where he kills a guy, you know, there's this vague ambiguity as to whether or not what's his name actually had a brother, or that he's saying he he doesn't have a brother anymore, and that's what great writing does. Like, you know, you're questioning these people's motives. Um, so it's it, it's very much like you know you you become what you're fighting against in mm-hmm. order to fight you know what you're fighting against. It seems like, you know, to, to fight a monster, you have to become a monster. It seems, and that seems to be what Andor's, uh, I guess, message is. Like, you know, do the ends justify the means sort of thing. Yep. And, yep. and it's great because I feel like this episode really humanizes a lot of characters instead of makes them out to be these, like, super cool, you know, badass main characters. Because several times throughout the episode, people are worried, they're afraid. Um, what's her name doesn't want to start the assault because she's worried that you know it's not going to work. No, yep. and it does a really great job humanizing a lot of the characters, um, which is what we you know really haven't had in the Star Wars universe here lately. Yeah, so. remember remember the uh, the one uh, the black dude with the mustache. He was a former stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. So it seems like this is what Finn's story should have been. You know, just have a you know have him have done horrible things, but have him try to make up for it. Whereas like Finn was just like, he didn't kill anybody. He was like an innocent, you know, to begin with. And uh, he didn't kill anyone who was innocent. And he just happened to like, you know, decided to join the resistance, whatever it's called in the, the sequel trilogy. Although he's perfectly fine with killing his fellow stormtrooper. Anyway, as I was saying, like, so Andor was becoming or like the idea that like the rebellion sort of become what they're fighting against, mm-hmm. you know, 
in, in this in this in this show. But um, I really liked the Imperial officer. Just like one wanted them to let the boy go. You know that was that was interesting. It's shown that, that even in a situation like this, we are still human. And uh, what I painted about kind of Star Wars is just like you have this very um, black and white, evil good, and yeah. showing that there's a lot of gray er- area. And that's what I love about the show is it has done a great job showing the kind of like ambiguity. Um, like how being caught in the corporate lifestyle with the guard, how being caught in just being an imperial, how being caught, you know, in the rebellion kind of, you know, you get caught. Yeah. And, uh, I, I'm pretty sure, I think Mon Mothma makes an appearance later on. Right. And, um, we sort of see that, um, you know, not so much that her husband's a jerk, but that maybe I think her husband doesn't. Well, what I love about the Mon Mothma appearance is that it goes to show you at this point in time how ineffective the Senate is and how in control the Emperor has. Because the Senate's supposed to be the check on the Emperor. But we literally um, see that like two thirds of the senators aren't even present. Yeah. And when news when news comes up of something happening, they all leave, and it, it's once again great world building. Yeah. So, well, we know in like a New Hope that uh, like Leia mentions the Imperial Senate, so we know there's like some sort of governing body of representatives for the for the Empire for the, each planet in the Empire. We, we never really we're never really like told how that sort of works in the original trilogy, so. Um, it's, it's, it's nice that they're sort of like giving some more detail on that. So, uh, Robbie just joined us. What did you think of Andor? Um, it was, it was all right. Um, oh no, you like, can't say, um, it was all right. I like the different take on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it seems like they only wrote four really good episodes, but I think Disney mandated that they had to have 12 episodes. And, um, you know, so they had to like expand their four good episodes into 12 good episodes. So we have like two episodes of filler, and then a third episode, every third episode, it's like something interesting. And, but, uh, no, 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 those two episodes of filler have done more world building than, once again, what the movies have done, what Kenobi did. You know yeah. more about the Star Wars universe in those two episodes than what. Kenobi did for its whole, you know, oh, we're back on Tatooine. Let's talk about Tatooine and the syndicate on Tatooine. So, yeah, they're not really throwaway episodes. Yeah, but I feel they could have combined the world building with the actual, you know, forward moving plot elements. I feel I feel like they could have, like, incorporated the the world building in the first episode where nothing happens into the episode where something happens. So, okay, I'll give you that. Yeah. So, uh, Robbie, what do you think of the whole heist sequence? Robbie, did we lose him? Yeah, we probably lost Robbie. Okay. I yeah. talked over him once. Yeah, there we go. So, Robbie, what was your favorite oh, aspect of Andor this past uh, week with the, uh, you know, the heist? 
Well, I'll be honest, I missed the last episode. Oh, okay. It oh, seemed that way. That's why I was a little lost. Which yeah. So, Matt, where do you think the uh, season's going to go from here? Uh, you know, I- I'm not going to lie, because they handed the uh, manifesto over to Cassian, and I'm worried is what I'll say that'll uh, that'll turn into Bad Batch and it'll be the like kind of um, mission of the week type deal <laughs> um, yeah. that turned me off of Bad Batch so I'm really hoping that doesn't happen um, well, but I, I really don't know because this is a very definite end mid-season episode yeah. so you know I really don't know do you think that uh, Cassian's going to meet Mon Mothma at any point this season? Or do you think that's going to be a separate no, storyline? No, maybe at the, the very last episode um, he might, but I do not see him like meeting the upper echelon of the Rebellion until he's proven himself a little bit more. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting, like, you know, Mon Mothma is like this character from the original, original trilogy that like we only knew by name. And we knew like nothing about her. You know, she was in Revenge of the Sith for a second and she was in, you know, Rogue One for a little bit, but we really like know nothing about this character. And the fact that they're expanding on her, I think that that's an interesting aspect. You know, and to really like pull in the old school fans of Star Wars, like remember this chick in the robe and like the white robe? Do you wanna know what she was doing to help the rebellion? Well now you know. So I think that's an interesting aspect. I think it was very smart of the showrunners to like, you know, capitalize on that unknown knowledge of this character. So, but where do you think uh, Mon Mothma's story is going to go from here, Matt? Uh, basically, um, I hope it ties into Rebels. I really mm-hmm. do, where they have to save her. Because um, I do know Ezra has been cast for Ashoka. Uh, yep, yeah, for Ashoka. So I'm really hoping that um, they tie in her, like she gets discovered and she has to flee. But I could totally see that not happening until episode two. Uh, no, season two, sorry. Well, apparently this is only going to be two seasons, I believe. So uh, I can totally I... see season one ending on like, oh my God, she's going to get caught. And the first few episodes of season two is getting her out of there. And maybe that's when she meets Cassian as yeah, well. I'm, so. I'm, one, I'm, I'm wondering, I guess she, like by the time the original trilogy happened, she's no longer undercover. She's basically like a fugitive from the Empire. Is mm-hmm. that safe to say well well in rebels uh, they issue like i don't want to say like a warrant for her arrest but they basically say uh she is an agent against the empire you know destroy at all costs oh okay so i guess her cover's gonna be blown probably at the end of this season it seems oh yeah yeah so okay. and it's a, a shogun ezra i think that saved her i could be wrong though Okay. It seems like the Ashoka and Andor and maybe even Mandalorian are basically just going to become live action adaptations of Rebels. Yep. Which yeah. Rebels is an awesome show and I have no issues with, so. Yeah, I haven't seen it though yet. I still need to. I mean, I, I finally finished the first season of Bad Batch. I enjoyed. Although I feel they probably should have ended the season on episode 11 or the penultimate episode rather than like you know the last episode of the first season of bad batch seemed like a bit underwhelming and it seemed more it would have been more appropriate for a season two opener but you know that's just me so did yeah so any final thoughts on andor so basically um i i think kind of what i was just saying i'm really intrigued because i really do not know where they're gonna go with this next so um i'm happy 
a lot more than with Kenobi. Um, I feel like it's tracking along with Mandalorian, so I think they've really hit it out of the park with uh, this series. Um, which is better to say than She-Hulk, because I still have no desire to watch She-Hulk, which I hear had its season finale. Yeah, mixed feelings on the... Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, so Rob, well, maybe we can, since we watched She-Hulk, maybe you can like, give us your thoughts on the finale as you watched that, right? It, yeah, it felt a little lazy how they ended it. Well, the thing is... Like, it was, it was kind of cool how they did the whole fourth wall thing. And her talking to like Kevin and the other writers well, and stuff. She Hulk is like known for breaking the fourth wall. I think even before Deadpool. Yeah, in Deadpool, the comics too. In the comics, but however, like it, in the way this, that was utilized in this episode, it seemed like just a, a way to like tie it up in a bow. Because like the whole point of, the, yeah, they of her break, to, they just cut to him being arrested. They they just cut off everything about yeah. the final so I'll, I'll, I'll break it down do. for Matt real quick um, so basically like the entire season of She-Hulk there's this online group like so this, this subreddit called Intelligentsia who's like very anti-She-Hulk basically like a um, you know uh, allegory for all the incels online and stuff and Intelligentsia does not like She-Hulk and apparently they get one of the Intelligentsia's members to sleep with She-Hulk and steal her blood while she's Jen and then they, they 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 post revenge porn of her having sex with this dude online, and so basically she goes on a rampage because she's angry, justifiably, and um, she gets thrown into prison, and she finds intelligentsia at this uh, retreat that Abomination owns, and right when Abomination comes out, uh, Titania shows up out of nowhere, Hulk shows up up out of nowhere, and there's supposed to be like this big fight. And she's Pops like through the ceiling, and then she's like, "Stop everything!" And then she goes on the Disney Plus screen, you know, pops out of the She-Hulk uh, window and goes to like a MCU window and talks with the writers' room of She-Hulk and complains that she doesn't like the ending. And then she goes to Kevin Feige, who in this show, Kevin Feige is a um, robot. robot called Ian, yeah. and she tells him what she wants to happen in the finale it ends with the intelligentsia main dude getting arrested abomination back to prison titania just filming it and daredevil showing up out of the blue so it's very uh, it, 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 it sounds like they're trying to make it more intelligent uh yeah true than it's, they could it's like they're trying to be <laughs> then it ended up with a very lazy feeling ending because i think like the whole point of her breaking the fourth episode was they're like we don't need to have a regular mcu ending you know we need only we don't need to have a cliche ending but it's just like what they decided to choose for their ending was like so much worse than what would have been acceptable you know <laughs> so it's like basically like the, the main I'll dude gets arrested everybody, and, all right everybody's happy the end yeah basically it's like you know it doesn't even show her like litigating against the dude in court just like it just shows her on the steps of the courthouse saying like, i'm gonna take this guy down yeah, I'm She-Hulk, and then episode ends, and then the I think the end, then the ending, the after credits. No, she had she had like two questions. What would you? Uh, what what did that reporter ask her? Like, I don't remember. This was you like do it as She-Hulk, or but hey, like, she, mentioned do, it, she mentioned she mentioned X-Men or something. She mentioned X-Men, then winked at the yeah, camera. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, like and where are the X-Men? Where are the winked X-Men? At the, I'm just like at the camera. Considering what she did to She-Hulk, this. I'm not really interested to see what you do to the X-Men, if I need to be honest. Um, 
I'm really worried. I'm not gonna lie. I'm really worried because I mean, the X Men yeah. have been destroyed for so long, and you know, as a kid growing up in the '80s and '90s, like the X Men, you know, were like my thing. And in '91, when they broke them up into like yellow and blue, yeah, uh, uncanny versus regular, like that was a big deal because they had so much. Um, uh, they just were part the MCU back in the early 90s and then I mean here lately since like 2000 late aughts um, you have Inhumans coming in and House of M where they've kind of been like sidelined even in the comics for over a decade it's it's frustrating well yeah you gotta remember because like Fox owned the movie rights and mm -hmm. Marvel Studios did not so they definitely the Marvel comics probably by mandate by Disney, they were said, they were just like, all right, let's make the Inhumans a bigger deal because we can't, we don't want to like make X-Men comics good because we don't own the movie rights, you know? So they sort of like put exactly. the X-Men on the back burner and tried to raise the Inhumans, but then they got the rights back to X-Men. Now the Inhumans are back on the back burner. <laughs> well, X-Men are definitely you know, like the number one franchise again, so. Even in the comics, which uh, I only vaguely like, I don't actively go out and buy right now, but I've been following the storylines, how they've set up this, you know, Krakoa where all the mutants are on this, like, I don't know if it's like another moon or where it is, uh, where it's like, they have it's, a, it's, a it's, mutant it's, society. Yeah. Well, they've already and, done that. They had Genosha back in the 90s and they had like yeah. another sanctuary. So it's, it's nothing new. It's just like well, John the Hickman's uh, writing it. Yeah, exactly. But Krakoa is this whole, like, how can we sideline the mutants without yeah. like ruining the MCU and and they're just they're literally being sidelined. Yeah. And it's it's just maddening cuz I love X-Men. Yeah. So. It's true. So I mean it's true that they definitely tried to make them less of a, a live a big deal so they could praise the Inhumans up because the MCU fervor at the time was just huge and like the MCU was just like whatever happened in that Feige well, was in charge of that they were trying to promote. And the issue too, you know, we've acknowledged that um, the reason why Iron Man, Captain America, and uh, Thor, who were very minor, uh, very like poor in sales of the actual comics, yeah, were the first ones to make the movies, were because they had the rights, and if they swung and had, missed, yeah, yeah, if they swung and missed, whatever, they're minor characters, and the MCU, um, you know, hit it out of the park. Yeah. with those three characters now those are the major characters so you have to like hide guardians the of the galaxy too don't forget that yep. guardians of the galaxy was like a, pretty much like the team that we know in the movies was only around uh since 2008 uh there's an earlier team like in the 60s but i think the the team that we're all familiar with had only were formed in 2008 still, were they still guardians of the galaxy or something it was just basically like all these ancillary like cosmic characters that they made into a team back in 2008 you know, right when the MCU started with Iron Man, and then like you know, Feige and MCU, they didn't have X Men, they didn't have Fantastic Four. They're like, well, we want like we want like a cosmic team or a cosmic presence. So let's just use these, this this comic book. And what kills me is if it's not for one of my favorite uh, Marvel characters, um, Blade in the late '90s, the yeah. uh, Marvel uh, MCU does not exist. Yeah, um, and I do know that they try to release the. Um, new werewolf show the same week that blade gets pushed back 
in the uh, distribution. So yeah. it's very interesting to see where we're going with everything with Disney right now uh, and uh, Marvel right now in the MCU. And I want to point out that like Mahershala Ali, who they who they've cut, they've cast as Blade as the new Blade. Oh, he's like such he's a perfect like, choice. Well, true, but he's like ten years older than Wesley Snipes was when he first started playing Blade, though. So it seems like he's already aged out of the role before he's mm-hmm. even had a chance to play it. Um, and I think I think what they're going to do is like have him have his daughter be a big presence in the movie or whatever, and uh, have him already be replaced when he's has his debut. It seems, but. Yeah, I mean, I think he's. I think he's a good choice for Blade. He's just, you know, um, I won't say too old, you know, but um, I just hope they don't like get rid of him right when they first have him in his first movie. Yep. You know, I kind of want him to like at least play the character for ten years. You know. So I guess the question, Robbie, is um, this was a season finale. It's a two-part question. One, a, do you feel it was worth it? And B, did they? really properly introduced Daredevil and Matthew Murdock um, because I know that was the big thing for a lot of people keeping them to watch She-Hulk was they kept teasing Daredevil Daredevil. Do you feel like properly introduced them? He was definitely a blackmail to get people to watch the show. Absolutely. 100%. (laughs) It It was Daredevil blackmail. Yeah, his character did feel different in the show because it's got the whole show has a more comedic feel to it. And, well, you know, because yeah. I only ask because uh, I really liked Hawkeye, even though I thought I would hate Hawkeye, and I really loved how they introduced uh, uh, Kingpin and Vincent D'Onofrio bringing him back as well. So I'm really curious how they brought back Matthew Murdock and Daredevil considering how well Hawkeye reintroduced, you know, a main villain. And from what I'm hearing online is, no, it was it was not good. Well, if, if you want to see um, Daredevil get picked up like a toddler and unmasked, then yeah, maybe it's not for you, but, and have him do the walk <laughs> of shame, walk of shame, um, you know, after sleeping with She-Hulk. But, um, you know, if you like- Wait, Shadow what? Cox, what? Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. He How many She-Hulk. people did she sleep with in this? She uh, has uh, three one night so stands, like, I think, throughout this show. Oh yeah. Oh, well, now, now, now I, I see why Major stand. told me not to I, show I, it to I my daughter. She had sex with a second dude after three dates. Who was the first guy she had a one night? Oh, it was it was the uh, the buff dude with the the buff like Puerto Rican dude. I think she had a one and night no, stand was, with. And nothing, yeah, nothing wrong thing. with that, but it just seems like the writing is lazy in one season. Not really, really a great role model for young women. More of a role model for <laughs> women in their late 30s who are still single, you know, I think. Um, but, you know, um, but as you said, Matt, you're worried about what they're going to do to X-Men. I think at the very least, they're going to have comic accurate costumes because we had Daredevil in his yellow costume in this series. So I think we'll at least see Wolverine in his yellow costume um, come the X-Men debut. Although I'd rather see the brown and orange costume from the John Byrne Chris Claremont um, run. I think it's a bit more badass looking than the yellow and black one and blue one. But, um... So overall, She-Hulk, yay or nay to everybody? Going with really low expectations. Yeah. I, I don't... It's a, worth a to watch but don't go in expecting if you're a fan of the wrecking <laughs> if you're a fan of the wrecking crew you're not gonna be very very upset they absolutely 
destroy the wrecking crew in this show. They're basically complete jokes. And the comics are like literally like one of the most dangerous teams in the MC in the Marvel universe. Well, it's just like with the bros in Hawkeye. So. Oh yeah, they kind of ruined them, as well. and they ruined the clown uh, Kazi, who was such a great villain in that comic series, and they just this made him just like a generic goon who was like basically just like a, a henchman. You know, and he was like he was, and they, they they even have like a Hawkeye's brother in that in that um, in that show who was like that was such an interesting like dynamic like you know him and his brother. I would have loved to see that in the show, but they were just more focused on like we got to introduce Echo. We gotta like have more um, Yelena. We gotta have um, you know Kate Bishop be the star of the show. It's like they don't even like their main character, you know. So, but you know, we we we've discussed Hawkeye. My uh, overall displeasure with it, or how like well, I think what lost opportunity it was. Um, but you know, She Hulk. You know, keep your expectations low. You might have you might chuckle a few times, but just know it's not going to be amazing. It's it's very low tier marvel fair fanfare <laughs> so um but rob did you watch werewolf by night matt did you watch werewolf by night uh no unfortunately you might actually enjoy werewolf by night it's like one of those things where it's like it's just a short 15 minute sort of presentation but it's like a fun little halloween special so maybe like on halloween night you can just like get the family to well maybe not it's not really a family friendly there's there's no like you know sec or anything it's just like a little violent but it's I'm like sure a black and white. It's like podcast. Yeah, it's just, it. it's it's just like it's just like if you like like the Universal Mo- Universal Monsters movies, I think you'll get a kick out of it. Like I was a big fan of those when I was a kid, like the Wolfman, Frankenstein, Dracula, Creature of the Black Lagoon. There's definitely some of that flair in this. Um, yeah, Monsters. my dad was saying he really liked it too. Yeah, he, uh, he read the comics when he was a kid. He said Monster Squad, which is available on Netflix. Finally, is that with uh, uh, Fred Savage? Or is that uh, it's not fresh up. Uh, I forget who it is, but it was one of the shows I remember. Wa- one of the movies I remember watching, you know, as a teenager that I really loved. So I remember seeing, yeah, because it was like it was like Dracula, the Mummy, the mm-hmm. Wolfman, and all the all those Universal monsters in that movie. So I was like, I was like, sort of into it. I never saw it all the way through, but I think I remember seeing it like day camp for a little bit, and I saw like one of the yeah. kids was smoking. It's like. <gasps> Yeah, so, exactly. Like, <laughs> you have a bunch of, you know, 13, 14 year olds. You're like, oh my God, they're so badass. And when you're 13, smoking. 14, you're like, holy crap. <laughs> and like when you're in elementary school, you're told like smoking is like the worst sin ever. It's like worse than murder. Mm-hmm. And you see like, well, you know, teenagers. So if you, if you watch Disney Plus uh, with the kids, like I do, um, they will actually warn you when there is smoking yeah. in a movie or show. It'll literally have a warning saying smoking in it. Um, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. Well, um, Matt, are you familiar with uh, the Man Thing character? No. He's essentially Marvel's Swamp Thing. I think there's okay. like some weird. Um, I'm gonna have to look this up now. <laughs> I think they. I think Man Thing and Swamp Thing came out the exact same time, so it's not really sure who ripped off who, or even. Oh, Swamp Thing is definitely the original, so. Yeah, I don't. Well, I think like Man Thing came out the exact same month or like the exact same year, so it's like if they they must rip them off like right away. It seems, but um, Man Thing is basically Marvel Swamp Thing. He's like just a regular dude, became the swamp creature, and you know I think the only difference is he can make he can make people spontaneously combust or something like that. So, but um, we saw a few of the horror characters in this show. We saw uh, you know Man Thing, the Werewolf by Night. Jack Russell, 
um, played by another Mexican actor. And, it's in- and once again, it's frustrating because this is supposed to be the lead up to Blade. But well, the it's, director it's, 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 has it's a- walked away. Yep, 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 yep. Now we're not going to get Blade. I'm convinced it, we're not going to get Blade. It, it seems like the director wanted to make like an actual R-rated Blade movie, like the original trilogy. Yep. And I think I think Feige was like, no. Like, we have yeah. to have a, you know... And this gets in the whole, deb- the whole debate of, you know, unchecked capitalism. Like, do we make money off these movies or do we make good movies? Yeah, so, so it's, like, it's like the Venom movies by Sony. Like, they should have been rated R. And, but they were like, oh no, we have to get more people in the theater so we gotta make it PG-13, even though like the movie was, you know, I won't say critically panned, but like not mixed reviews, I think. Although it did make a lot of money because Venom is just so popular. But then Morbius came out, which also should have been rated R. And that but it, 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 it's Jared Leto, so come on. That's true. But I think even like with a radar, Morbius movie would have done better than the PG-13 one. I think we can all agree on that. You know, at least we would have seen no, like ripping, yeah. people, ripping people's throats out. And but, I think that's that's the frustrating part when you're... Um, I can see as a studio how you're like, how do we get the kids involved for the next 10 years? And that's what we're seeing with um, who they're choosing to do uh, right now. But um, at the same time, too, as an adult, you're like, I want the rated R version. Well, look at Joker with Jared... I mean, not Jared Leto, mm-hmm. but uh, Joaquin Phoenix made over a billion yep. dollars. Yep. You know, probably it's, cost probably cost less than Morbius. Yep. And, but um, but as a studio, you're like, do I make a good film in which, you know, the adults are going to love, or do I try to hook the kids so that way they watch it for the next 10 years and I make the money off of them over the next 10 years and just do medium quality? And well, I feel kids, that's where we're at with the MCU, at least, is Disney is saying... Let's um, make medium quality movies and shows, but let's get them hooked. Who cares about the adults? They're going to go away anyways. And they're going to die one day. Exactly. Uh, Why else make She-Hulk? Come on. Well, let's remember that we all. Let's remember that we all, at least people my age, snuck into 300 because it was R-rated before we were 17. So, like, you know, you want to make good R-rated movies, the kids will sneak into them. You know, you won't get those box office numbers because they're buying tickets for their movies and then sneaking into that yeah. show. But, um, you know, well, it's, it's they're going to want to watch it like when they're, you know, in their 30s, though. Because at the end of the day, when I was 13, 14, like when I was 13, like Terminator 2, like, of course I'm watching that. And I shouldn't be. But, like, the parents would be like, hey, HBO is on. Just uh, make sure you go to bed on time. You know? So at the end of the day, the kids are still watching the rated R stuff. And that's why I feel... I'm frustrated because rated R serves a lot of these comics a lot better than making it PG-13. Absolutely. Yeah, so... I, I mean, know, just I'm, look at the X-Men. <laughs> well, I don't even know if Deadpool 3 is going to be rated R. I mean, we all know that uh, Ryan Reynolds is coming back for that, and uh, Hugh Jackman is coming back as Wolverine, which sort of kills which sort of kills the impact that Logan had. You know, as yeah, this one song. So here's the thing, though. I am willing to bet with Deadpool he's either going to be in for like two minutes at the beginning or two minutes at the end or like just like kind of walks on screen and says hi and then that's it he will not be a major part of that film oh yeah I mean it seems like Ryan Reynolds is making it out to be that he's going to be a major part of the film exactly and that's the joke yeah (laughs) um but I mean he's getting them on 
Yes, yeah, so it's like, so wait, who's going to play Wolverine for the actual X-Men movie, it seems. So it's like, you know, what's the point? But, you know, they, they already killed Logan's impact by having Charles, by having Patrick Stewart come back. You know, they, they bribed him. They had enough money to where they didn't come back. And it's already already killed the impact for that movie by having him come back. So we'll just make him old and dying in the show, too. We'll, just, well they killed him in the movie, too. So, you know, they snapped his neck. So you would have you would have thought that. um Charles Xavier could beat a mentally unstable um, <laughs> Scarlet Witch, but apparently not. So, uh, but yes, yeah, so we got one more Marvel movie. I think I think one more, you know, no more Marvel shows this year, but I think one more Marvel, Marvel movie, Wakanda Forever. So, has everyone seen the trailers for that? Is anyone yeah. Looking forward to it? Uh, no. Not without. I mean, there's no T'Challa. It's yeah. just like you know. But it, they were sort of had their hands tied. You know, it was like you know, what was what was what was what would be the less offensive thing to do, or the, the less controversial thing to do? Just have someone take on the Black Panther mantle, who's already established, or recast T'Challa. I think I think the path of least resistance was to have someone take over the mantle from T'Challa, because in the yeah, comics in the com- in the comic Shuri. I think took over the mantle. Although her comic series got canceled in like twelve issues anyway, but you know, doesn't matter. It's like they're just like, well, it happened in the comics, so it's it's fair game. I'm so. sure I'll go see it. What do you? So, uh, yeah, go ahead. So I love I love Sherry, and I think she should totally take over. Um, from unless I'm watching it wrong, it's introducing Namor yep. and the whole Atlanteans. Yeah, and I think that's what kills it for me is I just cannot buy them as a force to like threaten um, Wakanda. Like, I thought they were a landlocked country. So yeah, it's... exactly. Like, I think that's the issue. Like, oh, we decided to have a fight with... It's like watching that Rick and Morty episode where um, they land in the ocean and all of a sudden they have like this big thing and it's like a joke about how much power he really has. That's how I feel about watching this trailer it's yeah. like Wakanda is not going to be challenged by I don't know I just I, it, I mean it's, yeah it's really paying it's really playing into Americans ignorance of the map of the African continent because <laughs> yeah. you would think you know like the world knows what all the countries on the African coast are but they're just like well we don't know where Wakanda is we just know it's like somewhere in Central Africa but but that's the other thing too it's like it's protected it's hidden like you yeah. have to know how to fly into it because they project the uh, image of it of being just mountains and they think you're going to fly into mountains yeah. and and like this is how we're going to introduce Namor and the Atlanteans and yeah. uh, like, I just, well, I just it, don't it, buy it, it it's just like you know you would think that um, if they were, if like, it's like Wakanda is suddenly on the coast now. Like, the only way Atlantic, Atlantis could threaten Wakanda is if it was on the coast. And it's just like, you know, Americans don't know where the African countries are. They only know, like, know where Egypt is. So it's like, we just have Wakanda on the coast and, like, you know, they won't know the difference. But it's like, you know, for people who are actually, like, work in trade or in imports and exports, like, those, those countries on the African coast are pretty, you know, important to, like, their, you know, the economy and, like, those countries' economies and, like, you know, economy of other countries, you know? So like, you really need to know like what the countries on the African coast are, but they're just like, well, Wakanda is suddenly on the coast now, even in the first movie, it seemed pretty apparent that it was like a landlocked country that was sort of like, you know, smaller. In nowhere. And hidden. Yeah, so, but now it's suddenly on the coast and just like, you know, just Americans will buy it because they're stupid. They don't know anything about Africa. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Like, you know, it seems like a lot was like, I, I will say like with Moon Knight, they were so afraid 
of making Moon Knight just Marvel's Batman. They had like they had to like drastically alter his origin, his his powers and whatever. It seems like for like Namor, they're drastically altering him so he's not confused with Aquaman. You know, yep. from the DC movies. Like uh, there's no, no I Atl- definitely buy that. Like there's no Atlantis in this movie. There's like it's like a it's like a country called Tanatalon or Talakan. It's like it's like some S or Aztec sort of, you know, underwater kingdom. But um I don't know. I mean, at least he has the, the, the wings on his ankles. But I would have much preferred Namor be introduced in the Fantastic Four sequel. But um, it's like, well, the thing was like, they, they used up all three of Black Panther's arch enemies in the first movie. They used Claw, they killed him off, they killed they killed Killmonger off, and they made Man-Ape or Mambaku into like a, an ally or whatever. So it's like, he had no villains left anyway, so they had to use Namor. <laughs> it seems uh. <laughs> so unless they want to use like um, it's funny because I looked up like the old Black Panther villains there's one called Venom with two M's and he controls snakes and there's one called Carnage spelled K-A-R K-A-R-N-A-J <laughs> so there's a Venom and Carnage uh, for Black Panther but he's not they're not they have nothing to do with uh, Spider-Man so they should have had them be the villains just like as a, as an F as an FU to uh, Sony, like you can't you won't let us use Venom or Carnage, we'll use our own Venom and Carnage. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll check it out. You know, I think it seems um, they're really leaning into the fact that T'Challa is dead, obviously, because you know, like they're having a funeral for, funeral for him in the in the trailers and stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know. So we, we, we will see. Like, it could be good, it could be bad. We just know that, like, there will be no T'Challa. And sure, he's most likely going to be Black Panther in this. Yep. Which I have no issues with. But, like, just make sure he's Black Panther. That's well, the, um, I think is that, like, the actress who plays Shuri is very, very anti-vaccination in real life. So she really hasn't done herself any favors, uh, like, uh, with... You know, people, uh, and I think like there was an issue like she couldn't even go to the U.S. to film in Atlanta because she refused to get vaccinated. <laughs> so like production was halted on the show because of this actress. So um, you know, but um, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll see. Um, from what I saw in the trailer, it looks like it'll be very emotional and impactful, and you know, at least we'll see like a Namor flying with his ankle feet, I mean, his, his ankle wings. So, I don't know, but I think that's it. That's it for all the Marvel stuff this year, right? Unless I'm mistaken. That Wakanda Forever will be the last I Marvel property, so. MCU, MCU related thing. So, hey, with DC, they got a uh, Black Adam coming up. That's true. Yeah, and cool. I, I think that's gonna be like another Hobbs and Shaw. Remember that movie? It was like the Fast and Furious spinoff. It's gonna be mm-hmm. a very, very. CGI laden over the top action movie that's just mediocre but it'll make a shit ton of money well uh, if you're watching football today they released uh, an extended trailer and it looked very CGI heavy well I think the only reason I really want this movie to succeed is because I want a spinoff movie with Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate (laughs) I can see that I I have a strong feeling that he's going to die in this movie though because there's like Black another Adam? doctor. There's a, there's another no uh, Doctor Fate. Oh, the guy with the gold helmet. Oh, okay. He's basically DC's Doctor Strange, although he was created like 20 years before Doctor Strange was. 
but it seems like he can like make copies of himself. He can create a mirror dimension in, this, in the trailers I've seen. So he's basically they're very much like making him Doctor Fate. I mean Doctor Strange in this movie, Doctor Fate. But I think um, there's like a um, a younger Egyptian version of Doctor Fate. I have a strong feeling they're going to reference him and have him be Dr. Fate. They're going to kill off Pierce Brosnan and Kent Nelson. And, you know, that's my feeling. So the reason I want this movie to succeed seems to be um, self-sacrificing because they're going to kill off Kent Nelson anyway. So I don't want this movie to succeed anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe Hawkman will be cool. And, um, you know, as we know, Hawkman is uh, usually white. It will, is white in the comics, but I think in this case, um, Hawkman being black doesn't bother me because Hawkman reincarnates across time and space. And I think in like Jeff Johns's Hawkman run, he was like a slave, like a, a black slave in a former life. So you know, I think him like Hawkman being a different race doesn't isn't as controversial as some people would have you believe. So. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see how Black Adam turns out. I th- oh, well, I think the rumor has it that Henry Cavill's going to come back as Superman in a post credit scene. Are you all excited for that, or are you all just like, hey, let it go? Oh, I miss that, though. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, it just seems like damage is done. Like, he's so tethered to the Zack Snyder um, DC universe that like having him come back is just going to be like you know they really should just like reboot the whole Superman franchise but it really just shows you just how you know uh, inadequate WB executives are with handling this this proper this franchise the franchise being the whole DC universe like we're making a Black Adam movie we're making a Birds of Prey movie with Harley Quinn you know we're making a Joker standalone movie rather than like you know focusing on like you know the main DC heroes so I don't know. We'll uh, we'll just see how Black Adam turns out. It comes out next week, right? The twenty second. Yep. So we shall see. I think it's gonna make a lot of money. It's PG thirteen. It has The Rock. He's a strong fan base, you know. So I think it's gonna make a lot of money. I don't expect it to be I don't, amazing though. And and The Rock was on uh, Fox NFL Sunday Countdown today. You know, totally not promoting it to adults. So I mean, I think it's gonna be like <laughs> a by the numbers sort of comic book movie but you know Hobbs and Shaw made a lot of money and that was pretty terrible see what what kind of action scenes they come up with yep we shall see I will only watch it for the podcast (laughs) um, which is saying a lot because I refuse to watch well Matt I gotta warn you I gotta warn you it's probably not gonna be an HBO Max the same day like Suicide Squad yeah (laughs) so you're probably gonna have to actually make an actual trek to the movie theater to watch it although I think it's PG-13 you could probably take your kids you know I don't think there's going to be too much violence. Although I remember when my there's my dad disintegrations. But. I remember my dad took me to see X Men, and I hid under the seats when Senator Kelly became a blob. That freaked me out. I was too young to watch that. So, <laughs> X, the first X Men scared the shit out of me. <laughs> so I, you know, the first Black Adam might scare the shit out of your kids. Just forewarning you. Well, that's a, you know what? You remember that, don't you? And that's a life experience that you have with your dad. And you'll remember that. So uh, that's an experience I want with my kids as well. Well, I remember my mom had to take my brother to see the new Pokemon movie. And my dad took me to see X-Men. And my mom was just like, I would have much rather have seen X-Men <laughs> than watch the Pokemon movie. So, um, you know. But now looking back, and I was like, why was I scared of this? The CGI is terrible. 
I mean, it like really is bad. It's like 2000 but... CGI, but it's still a way better movie than X X Men: The Last Stand well, and X Men X Men Origins Wolverine. Uh, I constantly rewatch movies, and it's really uh, hate to use the phrase. It's the zeitgeist when you are first seeing this type of animation, and it is at the time some of the best animation you can get. It is kind of scary or freaky. Yeah. Uh, but nowadays, like if you watch 80s horror films, it's a joke. You laugh at it. But in the 80s, when you're a kid, you watch it, you're like, oh my God. Whoa. He's even the really shining? getting stabbed. Yeah. No, so like uh, I was rewatching um, the Friday the 13th recently. Yeah. Um, and like he's in a part of a John and he gets like stabbed through the Port of John. And it is like comically bad the whole scene. But when I was 10, you know, when I was like 12, 13, when I was watching this for the first time, it's like, oh my God, it looks so real. You know? So I, I, I can I, see I would... how you would be traumatized by Blob Senator. Because it looked so real back in the day. Like, you yeah. never saw that on film. Well, I, I will say that the CGI in X Men is way better than CGI in Mortal Kombat. 1996 oh, yeah. like that that cgi is atrocious and it was like one of the first or, movies to utilize you know those effects so or even um the one of my movie. favorite films uh event horizon love that film i remember yeah. being scared to death when it got released same director same director um, yep and for me it was uh, alien i was watching event horizon the other night on pluto tv yeah. and it's like comically bad like really it, oh, I... it, it, it like like you just look at it you're like it's still a great movie with yeah, yeah. the storytelling and everything but the effects at times are just like really because you have an hd screen now and you can see like all the like minor things and like wow this is like kind of cheesy but in the late 90s early aughts this was like you know breaking technology and you didn't have you had those big tvs that weren't hd and you couldn't see everything so like it looked a lot real a lot more real than it does now well yeah i mean like i remember when toy story came out like like probably like the first all cgi movie mm-hmm. and it was just like this was like groundbreaking at the time and it was a great movie to yeah. boot beyond that but like you look at it now it's like it looks like so bad yeah you you're like see wow the differences after being but it's like at the time you're just like this is amazing you know and then oh, like, yeah. you know oh Bugs remember Life, that uh that shark that comes at you in Back to the Future when he goes to the future. Oh yeah, yeah. That's I, remember, probably... I remember that scene more real as a kid than what it looks like now. All right. It looks so bad. Watch, uh, I think the movie's Deep Impact when Samuel L. Jackson's given his soliloquy and the shark eats him. Like back in the day, you're like, the, oh no, shit, Deep Blue Sea. That was Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. You're like, oh shit, like oh my god. But like watching it now. It is so hilarious because it's like the CGI is so bad. Like, ah, oh, ha 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 ha. It, 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 it's not scary anymore. Back in the day, it was. So, well, let's talk about good CGI. How CGI is so good that even on TV, it looks better. Like House of the Dragon. So, do you want to uh, talk about that? Matt's favorite show ever. So, I'm going to give you. Something by Tina Belcher from Bob's Burgers about House of Dragons. The, uh... well, Rob, you saw the last episode, right? Yeah. 
I'm gonna let y'all talk about it while I go to the bathroom real quick. But uh, you know, I'm sure. <laughs> Did you watch it? I haven't seen it yet. I'm still on the. I think I'm on the uh, episode before that, like where I think um, Renary's and Damon hook up. They're like on the beach, right? Yeah. I think it's about as far as I got. But yeah, I was not really too enthralled. Who's Sauron? <laughs> well, we can't get so, rings of power yet. But y'all yeah, talk about House of Dragon for like. So Robbie. Um, what do you think? Because it was very intriguing, but once again, it's a soap opera. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they did have. It does look pretty nice. You can definitely tell they put a lot of money into it. But overall, I I did like it. Uh, what were your thoughts on it? Or, or, how, or they actually well I guess they finally did get into a little bit more into the stranger but one thing that did bug me was it was like he could he barely knew he only knew like a few words for a while and then suddenly he's speaking perfect English yeah unless there was a little time jump that they don't really tell you so yeah once again they time. they they do a time jump um which is frustrating um and they're basically um Corliss is dying and you know they want Rhaenyra's son to take over and they're basically the whole point of this episode is to show um whether or not um their lineage is proper and everybody knows it's not but it it is and it's just this like drama and this like kind of like for lack of a better phrase soap opera telling of are you really yeah like and it's frustrating because Viserys finally shows up and um from what I've heard um when they were filming when he stumbles and loses the crown that wasn't scripted and um Damon picks up the crown and puts it on his head like they totally just ad-libbed that oh, and that's cool. like that's kind of cool best... when stuff that wasn't scripted gets in there yeah that wasn't he was just supposed to help him up and then he drops a crown and he puts a crown like apparently that was totally ad-libbed which is awesome but once again it's just another episode of drama 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 oh wait all the adults now get along because the king's about ready to die but now the kids who we tainted for years hate each other oh no wonder why the kids hate each other because we've tainted them for years and just it's maddening because if you want to know how this ends i forget which episode it is but when um joffrey in game of thrones uh is trying to marry what's her name he brings her down into the catacombs and he shows you Vagon's skull and he tells you the whole fate of what happens to everybody. It is that <laughs> easily ruined. Um, but like, we already know what's gonna happen. So let's just get to the action at this point. Like usually I hate a ton of action in the series, but I feel like this has gone the opposite spectrum where it's too much trauma. Nothing ever happens in an episode. It's just like, where do we stand in court? So Here's where we stand in court. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think like the one of the things, probably one of the few things I like about this show. I mean, it's definitely way better than Rings of Power, She-Hulk. Um, and, yes, I'll give uh, you that. 
but I know I think like what what sort of like struck me with this uh, this show was like it shows you how dragons are trained. Like you have those dragon trainers, and they speak this 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 other language. It seems like they're almost like they were like born to raise and train dragons. So at least you see that aspect of it. You know, this is stuff we we didn't really see in Game of Thrones, at least the earlier seasons. You know how dragons are trained. You know how they're sort of like you know imprinted on their their rider or whatever. So um, and how they get to choose. Yeah. So you know, I, I enjoy that aspect of the show, but it, it definitely seems like I think I probably said this before in a previous episode that they they did not have as much material as the actual Song and Fire books. In well, Fire and, and I don't know if you uh, George R. R. Martin basically came out this week saying that this needs to be four seasons and four seasons only. Yeah, too many. Uh, <laughs> and at the same time, too, I'm like, how do you make this into four seasons, dude? Yeah, like I think you're stretching. It should be like two seasons. Yeah, it should have yep. been like a miniseries, like over one season, which is what American God should have been too. It's something like, let me answer that in as well. You know, it's like you don't, you don't, your books only have so much material you can adapt. And usually when showrunners try to add in their own sort of ideas, that's usually when the show falls apart. And that's basically what happened with the Game of Thrones in the later seasons anyway. Is I'm sure like a million people have said already, but you know, um, I, you know, I, I, I struggled getting through the last episode. I still haven't finished it yet, but you know, hopefully. <sighs> It's up. such a frustrating show because I want to love it. And, you know, the very first episode, I really hated how much gratuitous violence that it had that was unnecessary. But now, episode, are we on eight or nine? I'm just like, I would go back to the gratuitous, unnecessary violence because literally every episode is like the political, political intrigue. And it's just like, no, we've gone way to the opposite direction yeah hbo just seems to like buy the rights of wheel of time from amazon and just adapt that because that's a completed series and have george r, r. martin be executive executive produce it you know <laughs> you know if he wants to have if he wants to do his own show just have him do someone else's you know books you know um i figure if he wants to be working tv so much then rather rather than write his own rather than write his own novels i'm sure he could at least do a better wheel of time adaptation than amazon is doing right now you know, I'd rather oh, see. I started. I would rather see a George R. R. Martin Wheel of Time, you know, than an Amazon Wheel of Time. If even if that sacrifices Winds of Winter and Dream a Dream of Spring, you know, <laughs> we're probably never going to these last two books, are we? So no, definitely not. So, but um, I think House of Dragon literally five minutes is all it really deserves of discussion because nothing's happened, nothing's happened 20 years advance, nothing's happened nothing's Allison happened. Allison and Rhaenyra hate each other the kids hate each other. 20 years is advance, oh now we're friends but, but now the kids hate each other. But so. there's dragons you know, Yeah. That's the only thing people watching this show so I guess we should probably uh, end the show on Rings of Power. So Robbie what did you think of the, uh, the Sauron reveal? Yeah, well, finally they reveal some stuff is what I was thinking. Yeah. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. <laughs> they reveal well, they, they reveal the identity of one character and they sort of strongly hinted at the identity of another character without outright saying it. Yeah, what, it. what was your thoughts when they, when they said, we're, we're here for you, Sauron, and they, they say the, the wizard is Sauron? Yeah, stranger. well, I think I already knew ahead of time. I think someone already spoiled for me that Spoiler, Matt. Hallbrand is Sauron. You know, I was, but I was just thinking, no way. But could it be? <laughs> it seemed very, very uh, un. I mean, I, I really thought 
Halbrand was gonna be the Witch King of Angmar because he's a king. There's like some darkness to him, you know. He is like you know, sort of like a he's sort of like a in the gray area. He's morally ambiguous. Um, so that, I was hoping he would be Witch King. I did not want to be Sauron because because we all know. Yeah, not, we don't we don't all know, but in the legendarium that Tolkien established in the Cimmerillion, uh, Sauron shows up as Anatar, the Lord of the Gifts, to help Celebrimbor create the Rings of Power. But apparently, I didn't know. I, I didn't realize this uh, before watching, but I learned afterwards that they do not. The showrunners or Amazon does not own the rights to Anatar for some reason. So they couldn't call him Anatar, but they have him say like, um, oh, you can make the rings this way, Kelebrim, or you can make the rings this way, use this ore, and use the ore this way, use these ores to make this ore. And he's like, yeah. why would you do this for me? Oh, it's a gift. And he looks at the camera and winks. <laughs> <laughs> so they can't say he's Anatar or the gifts, but they can like strongly hint that he's Anatar. So um, Halbrand is Sauron. We know Gal- Galadriel finds out. And I think what really kills this show and really shows how much the writers were in over their heads or didn't know what they were doing is like this. This it makes basically the whole season makes it look like Galadriel's just a, like a, an idiot because she convinced Halbrand to like become king of the Southlands. She convinces him to like leave Numenor to fight in the Southlands, but it turns out he's Sauron the whole time. So it's like pretty much like all this this mystery box bull crap. You know, we can't reveal who Sauron is, but you know. We'll make it. We'll make him Sauron at the last episode, even though it pretty much like goes against what his character did and said throughout the season. You know, like he doesn't want to leave Numenor. He wants to stay and work as a smith. But then Galadriel convinces him to go to Middle Earth. So it's just I don't know. It was it was just bad. And then uh, the stranger who were initially led to believe is Sauron because like the, the chicks say that um, you are Lord Sauron. There's been a veil put over your eyes. You forget who you are. Turns out he's not Sauron, the stranger. He's one of the Istari. Basically, I think they didn't say he was Gandalf, but I think it strongly hinted that he's Gandalf because he says to Nori at the very end of the uh, season, like, just follow your nose. Which I think, I think, Gandalf, <laughs> I th- I think Gandalf, I think Gandalf says that in one of the movies. So, but I, I also think that the showrunners do not have the rights to say Gandalf in this show either, so they'll probably call him something else in season two. I could say wizard, I guess. Well, I think he's called like Aloran is like another one of his names or like Mithrandir. Before it becomes the white wizard or the gray wizard, he could be the beige wizard. I don't know. (laughs) The off gray wizard, the off white wizard. Um, But I was really hoping he was going to be like one of the blue wizards because like those are like the two wizards we've never seen before. We know nothing about like those have been the two wizards to actually explore in this show. This show, but like we're just going to do Gandalf again, it seems. Like we've had three live action, we've had six, six live action movies, and three animated movies with Gandalf, and we're just gonna do Gandalf again. It's like why could they just do like the Blue Wizards, you know, just like you know, have more of a blue robe in the end of the episode? Because I think like Tolkien said that the Blue Wizards or Alatar or Alatar Palando was in the Second Age, you know. Although that sort of contradicts what he said in like a, a later writing, but. You know, I think Maybe they could have gotten find a, a blue a blue outfit later. Yes, I don't know what they're doing. I think you, you got to remember the the showrunners, the two main writers. Their only screen credit prior to the show was an uncredited rewrite on Star Trek Beyond. Check their IMDb page. So they had no, they had absolutely no experience how to how to run a, a TV series. 
they had never really like written a they had never really gotten full credit on a screenplay before and yet they're given the reins to this entire show this huge uh franchise and yet they have like you know very little experience production wise so it's like you know what were they thinking giving them the show so but matt have you seen any of the rings power episodes uh like i said uh I have tried twice now to watch the first episode and fall asleep. I'm waiting for my wife (laughs) to want to watch it with me. And I've heard differing opinions as to whether or not it gets better come episode two or three. So I'll eventually watch it. I think episode six is the best. Uh, Oh, oh, I only need to read six episodes. Okay. Exactly. That's only (laughs) how many hours? I, I think I enjoyed episode... Well, let me like, put it this way. The, the the show looks... The production values are great. So you can definitely see, like, more money went into the production, like, the CGI and, like, just the way the costuming and, like, the way the Numenor and all the other locations look. Like, those look great. It's pretty to look at. Looks like a movie. But the writing is just generic. Atrocious, and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, you know, less than adequate. But, I don't know. I, I, I won't give it like a solid recommendation. I'm just like, you know, if you, there's nothing else on, give it a shot. <laughs> it's not like, it's, it's, it's funny, like, you know, another Amazon show, which we all love, The Boys, you know, I think Eric Kripke is the, is the showrunner on that. He had like, what, 10 seasons of Supernatural to like, sort of like, you know, break his teeth in and probably had like some experience writing for other shows before that. So it's like, why did they give these two random, these two random guys the reins of the show? It's insane. So, um, but I don't know. Uh, well, hopefully season two will be an improvement. Hopefully they'll listen to the critiques of the first season and they'll try to do some course correction. That's like my only optimistic sort of viewpoint after watching this show. So, but Robbie, what did you think? I'm sure you liked it more than I did, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, so out, out of ten, Rob, what would you give it? Out of ten, I'd, I'd give it like a six. Oh wow, I, I was gonna give it a seven, and that there's like be mostly just for the production values. So, oh, oh yeah, it, it was really nice looking. Tip, have you seen all of Rings of Power? Earlier, I was I was mixing nope. it up talking about Rings of Power. How far did you get into? It? I thought you were I thought you were at least that was like the one show you were watching. I've seen I've seen episode six. So you saw Adar and I think like Mordor being born, right? Yep. What did you think of that episode at least? That was the best one though, right? That was good. That was, that was a pretty good episode. Solid. Um, man. You know, the whole time watching it, I was like thinking about my dad. Like, damn, dude. He would love this. It's awesome. Because yeah. really, I think they did a great job on the show. Altogether, they put together something that, yeah, okay, you know, seafaring guys riding around on horses, cool. The sea but, is always right. And how'd they get the all sea. the horses on the ship? All those oh. demons and all those horses. <laughs> the, oh that beam. There's like <laughs> yeah, that beam. horses, and the ship is like two stories tall. So it's like... <laughs> They would have all had to be on the second floor, and like they would all have to sleep on the top floor. But uh, yeah, tip continue. Guys, that was so funny. Let's let's not think about like the, the the schematics. It's like Noah's Ark. Like no way they could fit that many animals in the ark. No way they could fit horses <laughs> on the ship. But... No, dude, they just bought them there. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's pretty. I mean, they have a. They, bunch they of money. broke they them. They they, 
they found them on a Middle Earth and they broke them there and they, they trained them there. They were all wild horses on Middle Earth. Oh, they, they trained them. Whatever many they had. <laughs> yeah. So were you, were you disappointed that Adar was not Sauron or were you happy he was not Sauron? He said he was not Sauron. No, I mean, right? he killed Sauron. Because, uh, so the crew. Well, he's like an Uruk, right? He's not like an orc, right? I think you're. I think you're. Uh... He's an elf that was corrupted by, you know, Morgoth. Dark forces. Yeah. So, but yeah, episode six was definitely the best episode. And the last two episodes, I think, were um, not as good. But I won't spoil them for Tip. But Tip, you'll yeah. you'll watch season two though, right? I think season two is definitely guaranteed. I mean, if they don't make season two, I'm gonna be. Oh, it's coming. I don't even. Jeff Bezos invested a billion dollars. It's on Amazon. It's on Amazon. Yeah, Jeff Bezos paid a billion dollars for this show. It's definitely gonna season two. He's he's not gonna cut back on investment this soon. He's like, this is gonna work. This is gonna work. This is gonna work. Well, you never know, because Zaslav with. Zaslav just wants to have like uh, documentaries just, or reality shows on Disney, Discovery Plus. He, he's not. He, 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 he's, he just, just killed Cartoon Network. He so. doesn't care about scripted shows. He just wants documentary. So what happened? So what was with Zaslav and Cartoon Network? He actually canceled Cartoon Network. Is that right? Or what happened? No. So basically, the issue is is that Cartoon Network Studios is going to be folded into the WB Animation Studios. They have fired 60 show writers, animators, and positions, and they had 40 open positions open, which they're not going to fill. Are they going to keep Toonami? Which I haven't watched in 10 years. <laughs> they brought it back. Oh no, we lost Matt. Shit. Uh-oh. Can he get back in? Hope he can. I've noticed they've been playing like early 2000s. Cartoon Network shows. Oh, and like I Am Weasel and Ed and Nettie? Yeah, they had like uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog. And they even had Scooby-Doo and some other... I used to love yeah, Ed Courage and the Cowardly Dog because it was like... Dexter's Lab. Yeah. Courage the Cowardly Dog was a great show when I was a kid, but looking back, it was a really weird show. <laughs> yeah, I watched an episode earlier. And I think I watched it and I was like, why did I like this? I think I liked it because it was basically like a different monster every every episode and i was a big fan like like i said before on this episode like i was a big fan of like the universal monsters so i liked you know there was like no vampires and stuff there might be like a werewolf or show or something but there's like always something weird going on there's always like some sort of monster or like you know seeing how courage tries to communicate with them he keeps like turning into a the monster or a little version of her yeah uh but you know those are all great shows, but that's sad that, I mean, to be fair, I haven't watched Cartoon Network in a long time, except, you know, I think I've watched like yeah. Tsunami every every now and then, or Adult Swim every now and then, but I never watched like actual like prime time programming for um, Cartoon Network, so like, you know, it's not the end of the world for me, but it's a shame, like a lot of kids do like that channel, like myself growing up, I did like it a lot, so, but... 
Yeah, I don't know if we're gonna get Matt back. I think we were sort of he, like he talked about House of the Dragon, you know, hour now. Plus we have like I think ten or twenty minutes on the other the first recording. So uh, Robbie, you want to plug your social media? Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at Zealot Podcast. Uh, we have a link to our Discord and such there. Come check us out. Yeah, and I apologize that the uh, episode we recorded previously is not up yet. I think Riverside is being weird and it won't finalize recording for some reason. I think yeah, they I want... wasn't as prepared as I should have been this podcast. I feel. <laughs> well, I, said, I think it's just like, I think we're, we've reached the maximum number of minutes to where they'll allow you to record material without having to pay premium. So they want me to pay a premium price to finish the recording or just record past two oh, hours so i'm just like oh, i don't make, I don't make, got on I don't make any money off this podcast this is like a labor of love i don't want to have to pay to do my podcast so let's just go back to anchor so uh but uh yeah we'll see and you know i can probably upload it if i get it i actually upload it today but yeah but yeah that's our show um you know i'll try to get this up on twitter but if not you know you can help you can like reach us out reach out reach out to us on twitter and let us know what you thought of the shows. And we discussed Andor today. We discussed House of the Dragon. We discussed She-Hulk. We discussed Rings of Power. So a lot of, a lot of content out there. Um, but uh, yeah, so thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. See ya. I'm Forrest. And I'm Robbie. See ya. And Matt was here too in it. So was Tip. But yeah, yeah. see ya. <laughs>